Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Okay, hello and welcome automotive world to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping. I will be your host today. Today on the show, I have a guest joining me, Michael Lonavera. Michael is a electrical engineering student in California. He also is a diagnostician uh, in an automotive shop, and he runs a chapter of the Pico Club, which we're going to talk about today on the podcast. I'm really excited to get into this interview, so let's jump right in. All right, Michael, how is it going today? Going great. It's going great, Sean. It's uh, pretty cool weather over here. We're uh, enjoying some cloudy weather today, and uh, it's dropped almost 20 degrees, so working in a shop, it's once again enjoyable. You're in California? Yes. Yeah, I'm in Fresno, California, working at Complete Car Care. Uh, I do diagnostics here at the shop and some general service and repair stuff, and uh, when I'm not here, I'm over in Pomona, California, attending Cal Poly. So I study electronic systems engineering technology uh, over there in my, my third year. So, yeah, this is uh, my passion. I love working on cars and stuff. And, and with the technology merging, it's just become an amazing opportunity. Yeah, that was uh, one of the reasons I was really interested to talk with you is the the electrical engineering side of things. I've always been really interested in that. You know, if I was going to go back to school for something, you know, start all over, that would be something I'd really be into. I find when I get to, you know, that board level, uh, when, you know, you crack open the computer for whatever reason, um, I'm limited in my knowledge, but I'm really interested. Like, what is that, you know, what is that little resistor for? What is, what is, is that a transistor? I, I don't know exactly what I'm looking at. We don't have, you know, diagrams or, the knowledge necessary to, to, to really dive into that stuff. Some, some guys are out there doing it and you see on like Facebook groups and stuff, they're doing really cool, uh, EEPROM work and things like that. But, uh, yeah, it, it's very interesting. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely excited to hear what you have to say on that side of things. How's all school going for you with everything that's going on? Uh, it's actually going pretty great. Um, having a lot of background in electrical kind of really made this online transition pretty pretty straightforward for me. Um, you know, as an engineer major, it's it's tough because there's so many labs and hands-on opportunities at school that kind of miss out on. But uh, being here in the shop, it kind of makes up for it. And so, are you you're doing diagnostics at the shop that you're right now? Correct. Uh, how long have you been working there for? Uh, I've worked here on and off between school for probably about almost two or three years, I think. Um, I came here after I interned over at AES Wave, and uh, it kind of worked out great coming from a company who sells scan tools to finally going into the shop to use them. So kind of one thing led to another, and it just synced up just perfect. Well, yeah, if there's a company to work with, that's that's pretty cool. I I buy all sorts of stuff from them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they're a great supplier of, uh, of awesome tools, and um, they have honestly great support for anything you ever need. So, um, 
but yeah, school's been good, and and uh, we're online through the fall at least for now. Uh, still waiting to hear back for spring of 2021. Um, but like I said, if everything's online, it allows you know allows you to work part time again and go to school again. So pretty great opportunity. Yeah, there is a there is a bright side to it. We're kind of struggling on our end, you know, with the online stuff. It, it's tough in a trade. It really is. But uh, it does give a student maybe more of a flexibility to go work even a full time job and then do the school in the evening, which you know, we've never offered that before. It's a daytime program, but with the online portion of it, they can kind of make that work. And again, not not ideal, but you can find the bright side of it. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're willing to put in the work, um, what, what is your ultimate goal? You know, once you graduate, where, where are you looking to be as far as a career? So as far as what industry I want to dive into, I'm not quite sure yet. Uh, automotive has just, you know, it only keeps getting better and better, um, with a lot more cooler technology, but aerospace seems to be where the majority of graduates end up, uh, working in, you know, defense contractor companies, uh, you know, government jobs, basically, is where almost all of them. So, you know, I'll aim for one of the manufacturers as an engineer, but uh, most likely I'll probably go to aerospace or something like that. Okay. How much has that stuff helped you? You say you're doing diagnostics in the shop that you're at right now. How much does what you've learned in school apply to what you're doing in a diagnostic setting? Uh, enormously, almost everything you learn in school ends up, uh, you end up being able to see in automotive. So, uh, a lot of diagnostics, like let's say we're doing a fuel injector diagnostic. Um, when you come from school, learning about inductors and capacitors and transistors, you know, basic components such as those, uh, you really start to see what they really mean in the waveform. You know, from a mechanic standpoint, we see a pulse width and a current rent for a fuel injector, we say, oh, it opened. But when you come from some engineering part of it, you say, oh, the inductor charged and then discharged. And then all these, tra- you know, the transistor switched. And it- it's just, a- it's a lot of things, ha- cool things happening all at once. And it's awesome to really start to see the next level of detail inside a waveform. So, yeah, when you have that, that deep understanding of what's actually happening on that board, I can only imagine that makes it that you're, you're seeing it, you're perceiving it in a, in a totally different way. Um, now, besides going to college for this, do you know, is there any sort of training out there for an average technician, you know, a guy who's working at a dealership or a shop and wants to learn about some of this, at least, you know, a a small portion, I I realize you got to go get your degree if you really want to understand it. But is there any sort of like aftermarket training for things like this? Uh, Sean, there's a ton of training on the internet. You know, it's electrical engineering. And honestly, electricity has worked the same for the past thousands of years. Um, So you can, you know, like we say on YouTube, you can become a YouTube master tech. Uh, You can almost become an electrical engineer by watching YouTube Khan Academy, and there's just thousands and thousands of other web portals and, you know, programs out there you can do uh, from your own home. Okay. So. Yeah, I, I actually, I need to devote some time to that myself, uh, just 
again, just for my own personal knowledge, I want to have a better understanding of it. You know, like sometimes I'll be in class and a student will really be interested in this and they get deep into a question. They want to know the specifics, you know, the science behind something like a transistor. And I'm, I'm limited. I get the basic idea. I know how to, you know, diagnose it and what it is supposed to do. But when it comes to like, you know, electrons and holes and stuff like that, I, yeah. I'm just, I'm just not there. So I, I think uh, some training on that would really benefit me. Yeah. What I found is a lot of those, you know, very minor physics application part of, of, you know, uh, electronic components doesn't really, it's interesting to know, but a lot of that's really only done in manufacturing of those parts. You know, the basic idea of like a transistor would be to just amplify current through a circuit. You know, you're using a microcontroller such as a PCM controller to uh, control a transistor state and that transistor is what carries the heavy current. So it's just like a solid state switch and um, it, you know, it really, there's only a few fundamentals of each part that really apply and make a big difference in the real world. Can you share any of that with us by chance? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So this last semester I finished up uh, a semiconductors class, which pretty much hit, you know, uh, hardcore on transistors and MOSFETs. Uh, so basically a transistor, like I said, a solid state switch and, uh, it's just, it's a perfect tool for the job because it's, it's durable, uh, it's cheap to manufacture and it's, it's extremely accurate in terms of what you want to get out of it, input and output. So, um, some cool things that, you know, you could always, uh, someone could try is you could buy an Arduino kit or something like that and you could get some good practice in you know, controlling components like a DC motor, an AC motor, you, you know, you could add different components and that is really that one gives of those, you, one of those little white boards so you can put the pins in. Is that what that is? Yeah. It's basically just a small little board and it looks like a, like a pack of chewing gum and you can basically program it to do whatever you want. And there's just, there's tons of material out there that will walk you through every step of it. And once you interact, you know, with controlling certain components and then you go to a car to diagnose the exact same thing, it, it just, it's also, it's all pretty simple, you know, really straightforward. Yeah. Once you're the, the microprocessor yeah. in a sense, yeah, you get a better understanding. I, I always try to take it from the perspective when I'm diagnosing a car and what is the computer attempting to do or what is the computer looking at? And you, you have to put yourself in that position. So I imagine actually building it, uh, you're really getting a good perception, you know, perception of being inside the computer on the board. Absolutely. Yeah. And programming is, is a big, uh, industry now. That's, I think one of the highest sought after, uh, industries is software development. So if you learn how to do basic programming to control, you know, DC motors, you know, solenoids, whatever, um, it, it is the exact same, you know, on an Arduino as it is on a car. And it's amazing that you can buy something for $20 spend a few hours on it a week maybe and and suddenly become a master at those electronic components and controlling them Do they so, uh they have those kits on like amazon or something like that everywhere you can okay. get them cheap okay. on amazon right. just about anywhere they're very popular now i'm gonna, I'm gonna go check it out later today <laughs>
something to tinker with at home. That's fun. Definitely. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, um, and one of the things you reached out to me about was the Pico club that you're involved with. Um, and you mentioned a gentleman who's out in California who started it, but I want to hear all about this because it sounds really cool and heck something I think I might even get going, uh, you know, around my area. Yeah. Pico clubs, it's been, it's been just absolutely phenomenal to watch. It's changed uh, lives. You know, it's changed the way people have just thought about what being a mechanic is. It really, it really does a lot of great things for you. So a couple, so the way it happened is a couple years ago, I was working at AES wave and I got obsessed with lab scopes being there. And right after I, uh, started working at complete car care, uh, me and Warren's Warren was a, a picoscope freak at that point. He was a monster at it. He loved it. And, uh, once I started working there, we started doing almost nothing but talking about Pico between servicing vehicles. You know, what did you see on that car? What did you capture on this car? And, what we found is that this tool is just so powerful. It can be applied to almost any system and any diagnostic on a car. And we see the power of one universal tool almost. Um, so we came, we started talking and for a few months, it was just mostly talk, but then Warren took the big step and, and he reached out to other shop owners here in Fresno, uh, California. And he says, Hey, we, I want to start this club. And, we want to create a Pico club where we can all meet up to share our collective knowledge of what we go through each day during a diagnostic. So the Pico club uh, would be once about once a month and we would all meet up at a shop uh, changes each month and everyone would be, bring their Pico scopes and either a problem vehicle or a known good vehicle. And we would just throw the scopes on there and go at it. Everyone would group around the car to watch what you're doing, asking questions, you know, seeing the result of your testing and sharing what you learned. And what really changed was instead of viewing the other shops as your competition, we really wanted to, to commit to bettering the industry. You know, it, it, the industry and its image has been hit really hard in the last few years. You know, technicians not trained properly to work on cars, you know, uh, um, people just, they're just not trained. There's not a lot of training out there. Um, so we basically said, Hey, we want to do whatever we can to help each other, to help bring up the image of the industry. And I think that we're doing, uh, we've gotten a great start on that. And by, by using Pico, we also create a kind of accountability where, you know, you can't replace apart without having some, some kind of waveform that could tell you, Hey, it's bad. Okay. So there's more, you know, there's a lot more, um, maybe not, there's just a lot more detail in what you can share with your customer as well. You know, Hey, this part's broken. This, you can show them the waveform. This is what's happening. And they may not understand it exactly, but the fact that you have proof of something and, and you're willing to share it with your customer really helps to strengthen that relationship too. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, you go to the doctor, you know, for something serious, you expect to see a test result for something. And maybe right. I don't understand how an EKG works, but okay, here's what's going on. Here's what I'm looking at. Here's the charts or the numbers or whatever. But, you know, they're, they're 
doing their due diligence. It's not just, well, I saw this last week on this other guy, uh, you know, where you're going to need heart surgery. And that's, like you say, a lot of what technicians out there do is just, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, pattern failures or experience or whatever you want to call it, where there's no real proof and it takes time and it takes learning and training, but it does make a big difference to that customer to see that you're putting in that work. It absolutely does. So, so yeah, there, there's a lot of benefits to the customer and to, uh, you know, yourself, but sharing the knowledge with others, it also inspired a lot of people. So I think currently the Pico club when it's in person has about 40 or 50 attendees each month regularly. Wow. Which is which is huge. You know, if you have 40 people bringing Picoscopes that didn't have Picos a year ago, then I think, you know, you could say we've made a, a big leap. No kidding. In um, trying to really push the advancement of diagnostics and, and you know, help, uh, you know, help all the technicians out there. So it's not easy to work on some of these newer cars and, and whatever we can do to help each other, I think, is, is only the, a benefit. Now, is it mostly experienced technicians that are coming and doing this, or do you have younger techs or even students that are coming in with you? Uh, so we have uh, people of all ages. We have people who have been working on cars for 30 or 40 years and some who have just started in the last few months. Um, so we really have a good mix of everybody. You know, so the young guys tend to really talk about you know, they group up, they talk about one topic, and then the other guys are doing, you know, an on-car, an on-car diagnostic. So there's, there's a wide variety of people. And it's awesome to see that even the guys who have been doing this for 30 years are willing to uh, take a chance at seeing what we're doing and how we're doing it and, and seeing the benefit of it. Yeah, being open-minded is... Uh... Definitely necessary in this industry, no matter how long you've been in it. Um, how did you go about, you know, finding people that would be interested in this? What was the network process? So when I first started here in central California, most of it was word of mouth uh, and through emails to other shop owners, you know, that we kind of just communicated with over the last couple of years. And um, after that, it's uh, we created some Facebook pages to really kind of help um, spread the word about it, saying, hey, we're having really good results with this. And that if anybody, you know, in the world wanted to try it, you know, we had a Facebook page to kind of help model what we're doing and, and help share our information. So um, we started the one here in Central California, I think about a year ago. And then when I moved down to Pomona, uh, shortly after, uh, I started the Southern California Pico Club with a buddy called uh, named Drew Hernandez. So okay. he actually uh, he was working down in Claremont at a shop, and after I moved down there, I met him uh, with Scott Brown, and he, me, and him, we just we connected, and after that, you know, it was game over. The Pico Club just it picked up insanely quickly. We had 10 people by month two and, and it kept increasing really until this whole, until this whole COVID thing hit and then it kind of slowed down, but sure. everyone's still calling. Everyone's still asking, you know, when are we going to get together again? Are we going to do zoom meetings? Are we going to do online training? You know, everyone wants more. Everyone got really hungry for Pico and it's, and it's awesome to see that. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. Um, I'm, 
I'm really kind of inspired by that. And so, hey, if you're in uh, central Minnesota, uh, you're going to be getting a call from me. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, I'm going to see if I can get something something like this going. It sounds, sounds really cool to just to get together and nerd out. Yeah, we would definitely like to see more clubs, you know, uh, getting formed around the country. You know, there's a lot of people in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, especially on the eastern coast is where we found a lot of those trainers and advanced diagnosticians. That's where they're mostly located. So to see some, uh, you know, Pico clubs pop up on the East Coast would just be a blessing. Yeah, there was a Facebook post just the other day, uh, Keith DeFazio, and he was talking about how did something very similar, just got together a bunch of technicians on a Saturday or Sunday, got some problem vehicles, and they all worked through it with different perspectives. And just a just an awesome learning experience and some of the like you say, there's a lot of advanced level uh, technicians out there just to see all the knowledge and experience that's, that's coming together there. That, that looks so cool. <laughs> it is. Yep. Yep. And, and the great thing also is, you know, you get into Pico now when it's, you know, on easier vehicles, you know, early 2000 vehicles or whatever. And then when you get that brand new spanking Honda who doesn't want to go to the dealer for some reason, you have a way of, of competing for the work with the dealer who has, you know, the advantage of a, a factory scan tool. Sure. Um, well, Hey, with this whole Pico club thing, I usually ask my guests if they have any interesting case studies or problems they saw in vehicles. Do you have anything you can share with us on the podcast? Mm. I don't have any, I don't have any case studies off the back of my hand. Um, I don't mean to really, put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought about this for a while and I was thinking, you know, what car has really given me trouble in the last year? And with the, what I found is really the cars I struggle with most are probably the older cars where the parts tend to break as you start probing stuff or pulling stuff apart. That's, that's probably the worst kind of vehicle to work on. But, but as far as diagnosing, you know, a mechanical issue or an electrical issue, um, the combination of the scope, the scan tool, and some electrical diagnostic circuit tools has really just, it just, you know, it, it gets it done every time. Yeah, um, the, the fact that you can see uh, these mechanical problems through a scope uh, is amazing. And all the people out there like Brandon Steckler doing work with pressure diagnostics. I mean, when I was in school and for many years in my career, I just thought a scope was electrical. Like that's, and I mean, really that's what it's looking at, but that's where you use it. You use it on the electrical portion of the car. If it's mechanical, you've got to use, you know, some other type of tool. And, you know, they've shown that that's, that's not the case at all. You can get super detailed by using a scope on the, on pressure waveforms. It's, it's crazy. Yep, yep. The technology uh, in creating new probes, such as temperature probes, transducers, PZO, pressure pull sensor. I mean, the probe attachments for the oscilloscopes now are just beyond, you know, they're incredible. They're, there's really a probe for almost every job out there. So... Yeah, and they keep coming out with more and more stuff. Uh, like Definitely. There's one for... Um, the antennas for like a push button start, uh, you know, you can attach to the Pico and you can see the signal from the antennas to the key. Uh, there's one for the backup sensors, little sonar uh, buttons that are on the back of a bumper. There's a, there's a probe that picks up 
the frequency there. It's all kinds of cool stuff that you can get and, and turn it into a waveform. So that's awesome. Well, Hey, um, do you have, this is another thing I like to ask all my guests. Um, do you have any recommendations for maybe a younger technician, but really, you know, we get a lot of people again, that have been in the industry for a long time. They're just looking to improve their skills. Do you have any recommendation for someone like that? It's just looking to get better. And I mean, it could be, could be a video or tool, whatever. Do you, do you have anything for them? Um, my recommendation would probably, probably be, uh, go online, go on the internet or buy an electrical fundamentals book and just try to understand what different components do, you know, uh, like an inductor, an inductor seems complicated at, to some when you're brand new, but once you learn it, you see it acts the same in every circuit, you know, ever. Um, so getting some really basic electrical fundamentals down beyond just knowing power and ground and wire, basic wiring diagrams, you just want to know how do basic components on the car work? How does a solenoid work? Why does a solenoid do what it does? Um, and then you look from a fuel injector to, let's say, a spark plug. Well, it's the exact same type of component. So you start to just see all these things overlapping. So I'd probably say, yeah, I'd probably say really focus on getting some basic electrical fundamentals and then also really connect with other young technicians around you. Um, one of the hardest things I faced kind of getting into diagnostics and getting, you know, the Southern California Pico Club started was – um, it, the older, the people who've been in the business for 20 or 30 years, they're, they're hard to say, Hey, there's something easier. There's an easier way for you to do this. And, um, and it makes it very difficult for the young guys to approach them and say, Hey, I really want, you know, to invest some time into learning this tool. And in our industry, time is money. So it becomes very difficult to commit time uh, you know, through your, your regular work day to learn something. So connecting with other young technicians who are re very resourceful with technology and very connected in, you know, with social media, Facebook pages. I mean, you can connect with anybody on earth now. So to connect with somebody in your city, in your state and say, Hey, I'm learning this, you know, and talk to them about it, you know, ask each other questions. Um, young guys love, I think young guys love to share their knowledge and, and, um, they're, they're very resourceful and they're just, they're just flat out good with computers. So they have a huge advantage to getting started versus people who have been here for 30 or 40 years. Yeah. I I've worked with some technicians. Uh, I'm one comes to mind. He'd been in the field for, he retired, uh, I think 41 years in the field and awesome guy. One of my favorite people I've ever worked with. Um, but yeah, he's very set in his ways as I'm sure I don't know, most of us would be after doing something for 40 years. And uh, that's what we default to is, okay, this is the way I've always done it. This is how I figure things out. And that that's it. And it's been successful for me. Obviously I made a career for myself to accept that there is a completely different way. That's, it's going to be tough to, work that into your routine that you've been doing for so long. Because again, you got to take the time to learn something, to mess around with it, maybe make some mistakes. That is really tough <laughs> once, once you're in it. And, one, and again, you're trying to make money. So, be, I mean, you got to be open-minded 
throughout your career. But yeah, getting started with that, that idea in my mind right away when you're young, uh, it, it, it's huge. And I, I think that's a great um, advice is to talk to the other people in your same situation that are just starting out and they have the aptitude for technology, but are willing to be open-minded to uh, new techniques, new technology, different ways to do things. Cause the cars are always changing. So we, we have to be too, right? Definitely. Definitely. And the great thing is that the technology is only getting more complex. So it just, there's a huge, it, uh, there's a huge opportunity for young guys to really take advantage of the, the latest technology and understanding it and being able to work on it. You know, uh, people, like, like you said, 30, 40 years in the industry, uh, they see a, a new, you know, autonomous vehicle drive in with ADAS related problems. And sometimes you just don't even know where to start. You know, there's not a lot of ADAS training out there yet, but somehow ADAS vehicles have been around for almost 10 years. Yeah, I was working on a 2008 the other day that had a, a radar unit in the front. I'm like, really? That's crazy. Yeah. I, I, in 2008, I had no idea, no clue that something like that was out there. Yeah, the stuff's been out there for a while. And um, now it's just, it's going to, you know, everything is going to speed up very quickly in terms of technology in the cars. Um, we're at a, we're going at a very fast pace. Uh, and every year things change extremely rap, you know, a lot. And, uh, so young guys who are able to understand, you know, how the, you know, not only how to use a computer, but just a basic, you know, computer functions. It just, there's a huge step, uh, that they get to skip. Yeah. You think of all the, you know, a 2008 or 10 vehicle right now that's 10 years old. And there's a lot of things that are broken on the vehicles. Obviously we're, we're going through a lot of stuff. Just think of these uh, 2020 vehicles, 10 years from now, all the, all the, yeah, like you say, the ADAS and all the technology that is definitely going to be broken at that point. And we've got to be able to figure out all of that stuff. So might as well start learning now, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Get ahead of the curve a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Well, hey, do you, uh, do you have anything else uh, for us today? Yeah, I really want to uh, talk about like tra uh, aftermarket training opportunities such as CTI, WorldPack, um, ATG. Uh, those classes have, have really been uh, a benefit. So if anybody ever has an opportunity to attend uh, those classes, I would highly recommend you get in there. That's that those classes is where you get first exposed to a waveform. You open up your book and you see a, a DTC and a troubleshooting chart. And then right next to it, you see a waveform and that's where you start. And then while you're in the class, everyone else there is, the, is there to learn too. And you should just connect, you know, not everybody knows everything, but once you start sharing knowledge, it becomes an extreme, extremely powerful uh, group. Yeah, and you can do a lot of those online right now too. They have both uh, ATG and CTI. They're doing online courses. They were doing the free webinars for a while, and I think they're switching over to a paid format. But I mean, it's like thirty bucks for a class. That's yeah. I think you know, a few hours long. I, I don't think you can you can beat that. Of course, I want to go to the in person ones, but you can do it from your couch and still get in some great information. And a lot of them, they have a digital book that it comes with too. So you still have all that information for later. Yeah. I really appreciate talking to you, Sean, you know, thank you for helping me kind of spread the word about Pico club. That's, 
that's very uh, important to me, you know, in my heart and to see people benefit um, in a meaningful way and to see the result get passed on to the customer in a you know, form of better work done. It's just, it's extremely rewarding to see. Well, it's really cool to see other people that are out there that are passionate about this stuff because you can kind of feel alone on an island sometimes if if you're not out networking. And I did for a long time at Firestone. I worked with some great people, but nobody really cared that much about diagnostics. They just wanted to make their paycheck and go home. Nothing wrong with that, but I am passionate about this. So yeah, talk to people like you and you know hear about stuff like that Pico Club. That's so cool. So I, I big thank you to you as well for coming on here and talking about it today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Sean. I appreciate it. It's great talking. Okay. One more big thank you to Michael for coming on the podcast and chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. I hope everyone listening enjoyed it and learned something from it as well. Um, you know, hey, from this conversation, I would strongly encourage anybody out there, no matter where you're at or what level you're at, to look into something similar to a Pico Club. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be a Pico Scope or a Scope at all. It could just be a gathering of technicians. Reach out to some people that you know, do some networking, some local shops. Um, there, there's lots of ways you can reach out. Facebook groups are one way. And find some people locally that are willing to do this sort of thing, get together on a Saturday or, or an evening or something like that, and just learn, share information, do something you know on a vehicle uh, that is going to help everybody grow. I think it's a really powerful thing uh, that we can use to boost our skills. And I'm going to be looking into it personally as well. So, hey, if you're in uh, Minnesota or uh, Wisconsin, <laughs> reach out to me and uh, we'll get something going. But other than that, thanks for listening. Let's get out there and start fixing the world one car at a time.